War and Peace, Book 6, Chapter 16, Tolstoy writes in a way that lets us know what both Andre and Natasha are thinking. Do you like this narrative type? And do you think this is the best type for this story, or that it could be better, or just as well with another type? Would you prefer it if there were more mystery? Um, I think it was pretty effective. I liked how we saw you know them both in the same room, wanting different things, and then sort of connecting and wanting the same thing, essentially. Um, I think it was a pretty effective storytelling technique. I like when we jump from one perspective, one character perspective to another. It's uh, it's good. I liked it. I still had, you know, there might not have been mystery, but there was still some sort of, you know, suspense of wondering, okay, Natasha wants to be asked to dance. Now we're with Andre. Will he do it? And, you know, will he, won't he kind of thing? Kept me in a bit of suspense. Also, do you think Andre had forgotten about his initial feelings with Natasha? Will he forget again after this meeting, or do you think it will go somewhere? M-C says, Tolstoy giving us both Natasha and Andre's perspective is a yummy benefit of an omniscient narrator. As the reader, we know that they're both thinking, feeling, what they're both thinking and feeling, but they don't know what each other are thinking. Such fun. It's a classic romantic comedy setup. It was effective. I do like it. I do like it. Uh, Ripster66 says, I like this narration style, giving us peeks into both of the characters' thoughts and motivation. Natasha being so distraught at the possibility of not being asked to dance, and then Andre saving the day, knowing perfectly well that she was desperate to get on the dance floor. Just great dynamics and very relatable. I think it was very relatable. I really felt like um, that was one of those scenes where uh, it feels so almost so modern, so familiar at least. Fragrant Squirrel says, I'm in the same camp as you all and liked knowing both perspectives of Andre and Natasha. I'm also shocked that he likes dancing. Yeah, that does seem weird for Andre, now that you say it. Uh, It feels out of character for him, but I like that he does like dancing and that he asked Natasha. Especially that it was like, you know, he didn't want to be talking about politics, he wanted to be dancing. I was like, Andre, really? He loves politics. Um, alright, we're still at the ball, I think, in the next chapter, so I say we just keep going and have a ball, as they say. Chapter 17, hey, let's go. After Prince Andre, Boris came up to ask Natasha for a dance, and then the aide-de-camp, who had opened the ball, and several other young men, so that flushed and happy and passing on her superfluous partners to Sonia, she did not cease dancing all the evening. She noticed and saw nothing of what occupied everyone else. Not only did she fail to notice that the Emperor talked a long time with the French ambassador and how particularly gracious he was to a certain lady, or that Prince so-and-so and and -and so-and-so did and said this and that, and that Helena had great success and was honoured by the special attention of so-and-so, but she did not even see the Emperor and only noticed that he had gone because the ball became livelier after his departure. For one of the merry cotillions before supper, Prince Andre was again her partner. He reminded her of their first encounter in the Otradnoe Avenue, and how she had been unable to sleep that moonlit night, and told her how he had involuntarily overheard her. Natasha blushed at that recollection and tried to excuse herself as if there were there had been something to be ashamed of in what Prince Andre had overheard. 
Like all men who have grown up in society, Prince Andre liked meeting someone there not of the conventional society stamp. And such was Natasha, with her surprise, her delight, her shyness, and even her mistakes in speaking French. With her, he behaved with special care and tenderness, sitting beside her and talking of the simplest and most unimportant matters. He admired her shy grace. In the middle of the cotillion, having completed one of the figures, Natasha, still out of breath, was returning to her seat when another dancer chose her. She was tired and panting and evidently thought of declining, but immediately put her hand gaily on the man's shoulder, smiling at Prince Andre. I'd be glad to sit beside you and rest. I'm tired, but you see how they keep asking me, and I'm glad of it. I'm happy and I love everybody, and you and I understand it all. And much, much more was said in her smile. When her partner left her, Natasha ran across the room to choose two ladies for the figure. If she goes to her cousin first, and then to another lady, she will be my wife said Prince Andre to himself, quite to his own surprise, as he watched her. She did go first to her cousin. What rubbish sometimes enters one's head, thought Prince Andre. But what is certain is that that girl is so charming, so original, that she won't be dancing here a month before she will be married. Such as she are rare here, he thought. As Natasha, readjusting a rose that was slipping on her body, settled herself beside him. When the cotillion was over, the old count in his blue coat came up to the dancers. He invited Prince Andre to come and see them, and asked his daughter whether she was enjoying herself. Natasha did not answer at once, but only looked up with a smile that said reproachfully, How can you ask such a question? I've never enjoyed myself so much before, she said. And Prince Andre noticed how her thin arms rose quickly as if to embrace her father and instantly dropped again. Natasha was happier than she had ever been in her life. She was at that height of bliss when one becomes completely kind and good and does not believe in the possibility of evil, unhappiness or sorrow. At that ball, Pierre, for the first time, felt humiliated by the position his wife occupied in court circles. He was gloomy and absent-minded. A deep furrow ran across his forehead and standing by a window he stared over his spectacles, seeing no one. On her way to supper, Natasha passed him. Pierre's gloomy, unhappy look struck her. She stopped in front of him. She wished to help him, to bestow on him the superabundance of her own happiness. How delightful it is, Count, said she, isn't it? Pierre smiled absent-mindedly, evidently not grasping what she said. Yes, I am very glad, he said. How can people be dissatisfied with anything, thought Natasha, especially such a capital fellow as Bezukhov? In Natasha's eyes, all the people at the ball alike were good, kind, splendid people, loving one another, none of them capable of injuring one another, and so they ought all to be happy. All right, there we go, another chapter down. I think Natasha might be a bit high on life right now, and good on her. Have your say about the chapter. Thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.